first thing you got to learn is you don't listen to losers because it's the fastest who gets paid. Fire it up when you're ready. Fire it up. Fire it up. And it's a race from here on, no matter what happens. He's got him this time. Here they come on turn four. Must go faster. Welcome to Running Hot, Action Network's motorsports betting podcast. I'm your host, Nick Giffen, predictive analyst here at Action Network. Joining me, as always, my friend and co-host, Stephen Young of Rotogrinders, better known as Stevie TPFL. And this week, we're going to talk bets for the Ambetter 400 on Running Hot. William Byron went back-to-back at Phoenix grabbing his second win of the year, but it is definitely not without controversy, Stevie, as he and his Hendrick Motorsports teammates were all penalized for a modified part. The louvers on their car uh, were modified, so I guess we'll touch on that, but I don't want to get too much into it. But Stevie, I do need to know your take on that situation with the louvers and what it could mean for futures bets on the Hendrick drivers. And uh, by the way, Welcome to March Madness. How are you doing, Stevie? I'm doing great, man. Um, William Byron, another winner. Like, listen, if you listen to the preseason show, you know how high I was on William Byron. So when we were talking and having our meetings about this, I was like, just get a William Byron clip ready. I'm going to be talking about him a lot this year. And two wins, baby, already. He's making me look smart. So I might have what, to make an what? appeal to uh, I might have to make an appeal to our podcast editor <laughs> to throw that William Byron clip in there. So <laughs> you know, what? good job there. But what about those louvers, dude? Really quick before we get into that, what is Kevin Harvick doing? Like, take two tires there. Like, you know everyone's taking two tires there. Like, you have to take two tires there. And yeah. Rodney Childers, I'm never going to question him. He's one of the crew chiefs that I actually really like in the garage. Mm. So not going to question him there, but yeah, you have to take two tires this, this, there. You, you this have... actually isn't the first time. Remember Bristol last year, um, Chris Buescher yes, won that. Yes. If he had just taken none or, or stayed out or gotten track position there, he would have won that race too. Yeah, William Byron won. He had a great car. Larson probably had the best car on the long run. Kevin Harvick had a monster car. Watching him run those last 100 laps was just Kevin Harvick in like an art of Kevin Harvick and it was just, I really wanted to cash that for everyone last week. We talked about Kevin Harvick. We talked about Ford wing. Like we were setting ourselves up for a really good podcast. And then um, Harrison Burton had an issue. And I think the caution should have came out. I'm not like disagreeing with that. Okay. It just, man, I wanted the Keselowski top 10. We had it, Nick. We were, we were so close to having a big week for the podcast listeners, but Hey, back to, you know, the penalized Hendrick. I don't think it matters. I really don't. They took them off. They put stock ones on and they dominated the race. So this part from what I've read and what I've heard and what I've talked to people about makes a little, little, little difference. And a little, little difference goes a long way when it comes to, you know, when we're talking about all these stock parts. But I think the the horsepower and what they're generating off the corners, if you're looking at like lap by lap data and stuff, they just roll the quarters so much faster than everybody else right now. So unless it affects that, which it didn't at Phoenix, Phoenix is a one mile track. We'll have to see. I think Coda will kind of tell us more because you are going to see like Chevy was dominant at road courses last year. But anyway, I don't think it really matters too much. It took away like William Byron's playoff points for his two wins, but he's won some stages. If he continues to be this good this year with Chase Elliott kind of out of the loop right now, 
We might not see that like test car situation that we saw for Hendrick last year. I asked Rudy Fugel about it at Daytona. He said they just lost their touch in the middle of the season. Listen, Rudy was smiling, and I'm going to smile because we all know that he was testing stuff, but I don't know if that's going to necessarily be the case this year. I could see William Byron winning like four to seven races and not being shocked, so not really affecting anything for me as far as Chevy or Hendrick. Haley was slow. They Same part. It's not like Haley's had top 10 speed this year, so I'm just going to chalk it up as Chevy is still really strong, and Hendrick is going to win multiple races this year. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on some things you said. I'm not going to get too in detail because we got to talk bets, but uh, I do think it was interesting that Haley got penalized and had that part, but not AJ Allmendinger, his teammate. And then also, as far as the test car thing, I think Jordan McAbee of Fan Racing Online wrote a baller, made a really good point that maybe we're not going to see the testing with Josh Berry kind of as the test car right now with Chase Elliott out. So yeah. I agree. I think William Byron is going to have a solid year this year and doesn't need to be the test car. And especially with these penalties now, I think there's even more reason for him not to be and for uh, whether it's Kyle Larson or Alex Bowman as well, if they grab wins and in, in multiple wins in some way, shape or form, not to be test cars as well. So still think Hendrick's going to be strong. It obviously didn't affect their performance at Phoenix because they were incredibly strong. So we do move on from Phoenix Raceway to Atlanta Motor Speedway, which of course is the second drafting race of the year after the Daytona 500. Definitely a bit of a different drafting race though, because Atlanta is a one and a half mile oval and it was, you know, reconfigured, repaved prior to last season and has only hosted two races under this current configuration and rules set and new car. So Steve, my question to you, how does Atlanta race? Like, what was it like last year? I mean, I think we have an idea, but do we expect that to be any different from last year based off of what we've seen this year? No, I don't think it's going to be any different than last year. Um, Drafting track is loose term for Atlanta because it is smaller than Daytona and Talladega. And you have to remember, Talladega is huge. You can run three or four wide and like mistakes don't collect as many cars. Daytona is a little bit like more narrow and like big crashes happen at Daytona. Well, last year I was at both Atlanta races. I'm going to be at the race this year and just watching it just happens so much faster at Atlanta than it does at Talladega and Daytona. And I don't think it takes out as many cars. We might see cars fixable where they wouldn't be fixable at Daytona or Talladega. And the biggest difference for me from Atlanta and Talladega and Daytona is the bump drafting in the corners. You cannot be as aggressive at Atlanta with it being a 1.5 still, you're not having that extra space and the extra speed. You can't be as aggressive pushing in the corners. And when they do push in the corners, we're just seeing massive issues. So I think the good pushers from any of the drafting tracks that we've had from the last you know year, year and a month now are the guys that are going to benefit. And that was really the Fords last year. And it was the Fords at Daytona this year. So I don't think that's going to change. But you have to remember one thing about Atlanta that's really important. It's going to be faster than Daytona and Talladega. So like where... Daytona, you know, you can kind of sit back and you can kind of make a run later in the race. Atlanta, you still have to have speed. If you look at the cars that were fast at Atlanta last year, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, they were fast cars last year just in general. So I think the cars that have been fast to start the year are going to be fast, but I think you want the good pushers and you want aggressive drivers. I mean, you want to try to find the aggressive drivers like Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s, Brad Keselowski's that are either going to probably wreck or win the race. So I think that 
from a betting standpoint, it's not the best race in the world to handicap, but there's a lot of edge that we can look at maybe even post qualifying. If some of these guys qualify bad. So I don't expect it to race much different. It's just things happen so fast at Atlanta. And that's the biggest difference from Daytona and Talladega. I will say at least there's a possibility that almost any car can run toward the front at Atlanta simply because of the draft. And I don't want to make, like I said, it is a drafting track, but it's not a super speedway to me. I call it a pseudo speedway because it has super (laughs) speedway elements, but it still has the one and a half mile or intermediate track elements. And that's why you see these better cars up front. So uh, I'm right there with you in that. I think, you know, these guys that typically run up front will run up front, but also the aggressive ones. We saw Eric Jones lead in both races last year at Atlanta. We saw Ricky Stenhouse Jr. get up front and his tire in that first Atlanta race had a problem. All the Chevys almost, it seemed like last year when they led in the first Atlanta race had tire problems when they got out front. I think it was Ross Chastain, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Eric Jones, all at certain points had tire problems when they got out front, all driving Chevys. Obviously, we didn't see that in the second race, so I don't think it's going to be an issue. But my point is, those are a lot of guys we look to at super speedways as well. And then there's Corey LaJoy, who we looked at last year in the second Atlanta race. So there's opportunities for these aggressive drivers, as you mentioned, to get up front. And I think the bigger difference for me between Daytona and Talladega in Atlanta is track position. While it's not in unimportant at Daytona and Talladega, especially under the current car, I think it's actually way more important at Atlanta than those others because it's so much more narrow. It's harder to get a big run simply because of the way the track is shaped and sized and, and, and how handling matters a little bit more. So I think track position becomes important. I think that does tend to benefit the bigger teams as well because the smaller teams do tend to ride in the back thinking they have time to make it up, but we've seen that isn't the case in Atlanta. So I'm very curious how the strategy changes maybe for these smaller teams if they decide to be a little more aggressive and run up front. So that would be my biggest question. But you mentioned it's a tough race to handicap. Is there a way to handicap this race maybe from an outright perspective or or just in general? How do you handicap this race? I mean, we're going right back to Daytona, right? We're going to top tens that have some some you know favorable value. I don't love head-to-heads. I think that head-to-heads at a track like this is really tough unless you see something that has a lot of value, you know, kind of thing. And you're not going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot of like even type of head-to-heads and the books are going to crush on head-to-heads this week. So as smart people, there's not a lot of value in head-to-heads. So kind of stay away from those. I think you're leaning more to like top tens, top fives. There'll be a few outrights that like I, uh, there's one that we're going to talk about in one of the turns, but I think overall... Top tens. Um, this is like one of those weeks where like five to one top tens make a lot of sense. We might see even longer shots. Like wrecks are gonna happen. Like I was talking mm-hmm. about, it happens so fast. One good thing is they, you know, Goodyear's bringing a new tire this year that we haven't ran yet. Um, that they've reconstructed for the speeds and the the input and stuff. Yeah. So hopefully that helps because tire issues were a thing last year. We saw a lot of good cars get taken out by you know tire issues, but. I think that new tire will help, but yeah, I'm looking for some long shots. I'm looking for drivers that we're going to talk about some Corey LaJoys and guys like that. And I think this is the type of week that where can we find that guy that has the speed or the aggressiveness late in the race to maybe finish inside the top 10. That's not getting that type of value. And to be fair, like this is one of those fun races where you can live bet yes. and like have a guy like driving around in 30th. And you're like, Hey, I know this guy. I know exactly what he's doing. 
and then you just jump on it live. So live betting a racetrack like Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta is super fun and it's super there's a lot of value um in the fun part of you know betting it live. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. And um, you know, you're you're mentioning things like uh Top tens, also top manufacturer. I think this is an interesting race from that perspective because you don't need to beat the whole field. And you also mentioned some outrights. It's really hard to pick between the favorites because they're all so good and it's a drafting track. So it, in some ways, it's like whichever one gets out front. But that kind of applies to all these mid-pack and, and further back, but not like terrible cars as well. I mean, you talk about Corey LaJoy, but even, you know, even mid-tier guys as well can get out front if they are able to stay out front that is uh, very beneficial. So again, another race that leads itself to longer shots. And you mentioned potential wrecks. Even if drivers do get caught in a wreck, it doesn't tend to be as big damage, especially with a new car. Obviously, the new car does take damage a little bit better. But because it's March Madness, Stevie, I need to ask you, are you expecting any madness from Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be a madness from Atlanta. I think it's going to be a wild race. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you are not some someone that typically likes to watch the NASCAR races, watch this one. I mean, you're going to watch stuff that you're not typically going to see. You're going to see two-eyed racing pretty much all day, a lot of pushing. And like I said, stuff's going to happen fast. So like, there one bad push is going to take out eight cars, and you're going to like, all right, who am I looking at now kind of thing. So, I mean, th- it's going to be a fun race. And you know, RIP the Florida Gators who got knocked out in the first round of the NIT by UCF. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. By the way, you know, you mentioned there could be madness, there could be big pushes, but we're also talking about how track position is so important. I think teams are going to realize that. So they're going to push to the front quicker, which could actually create more mayhem in some ways because they're pushing harder, right? So I think because track position is so important, there's going to be more urgency earlier in the race, which actually could create more incidents than we had in the past. So there is our, our kind of recap of Phoenix preview of Atlanta from a an overarching perspective. But Stevie, it is time to get into the bets. As always, we're going to take you all for a lap around the track, around Atlanta Motor Speedway. That is four turns, one pick from Stevie, one pick from myself per turn before we drive into victory lane. So Stevie, we've taken the green flag. And it's time to dive into turn one. This is Ryan Blaney, and we're running hops. All right, Stevie, start us off with your turn one pick. I mean, it's perfect for everything that we just talked about. We're going to start off right here with the top 10 that I like at five to one. It's Corey LaJoy plus 500, 13th and 11th in green flag speed at Atlanta last season. This is a guy that will sit back and then he'll kind of move forward. He finished fifth at Atlanta one. He was leading at the green-white checkered in Atlanta 2, made a move, tried to pass Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott probably should have been wrecked by LaJoy, but LaJoy still tried to make the move and ended up hitting the wall, and Chase ended up winning the race. So had the chance to win this race. He only ran 16% of his laps in the top 15 Atlanta 1. 57. Remember, Atlanta 2, he had a chance to win the race. 57% of his laps in the top 15 at Atlanta 2. Some books have this top 10 at plus 225. So getting it at plus 500, I think, is insane value for a guy that's already shown that like top 10 is very in the cards for him. So I think Corey LaJoy top 10 is a really nice value and an early week pick that I'm definitely getting on. Yeah, I mean, top 10 is not just value for him in Atlanta. It's a value for him 
at all of the drafting tracks, Daytona Talladega. We've seen him run in front. This year, he ran towards the front in the Daytona 500 for part of the race. So yeah. I'm totally with you. I think this is this is a good situation for him here. Any drafting track is. And you mentioned the move on Chase Elliott. I actually really respected both Chase Elliott and Corey LaJoy for how that turned out. Because Chase knew he kind of threw a block. And Corey LaJoy knew he was kind of making an aggressive run. And things happened. And I think they both respected the outcome. LaJoy didn't dump Elliott. And Elliott knew he probably was a little aggressive there. And... So I think it was a fair, I think it was a fair outcome. It sucks for LaJoy because I was on in that race to win the race at 250 to one, (laughs) 250 to one. And he didn't win. But honestly, as heartbroken as I was for that, I still made money because of the top 10 bets, which you're talking about. I had Harrison Burton top 10. I had Cole Custer top 10. This is still a race where top 10s can happen. Wrecks will still happen. And these kinds of bigger wrecks will still happen, which allows that top 10 value. So I like your pick there for your turn one pick. Going over to my turn one pick, I'm going to stay with the top 10 market. I'm going to go to AJ Allmendinger for a top 10 at the same price. You got Corey LaJoy plus 500. Look, AJ Allmendinger is a good drafting track racer. In his last five finishes in the Cup Series at drafting tracks, he's finished sixth, sixth, third. He had a DNF in the 31st and 10th. That's four out of five top 10s. In the Cup Series for A.J. Allmendinger, and he wasn't racing a colleague. That was when he was with JTG Doherty. I guess one of those races was a colleague you know, earlier this year at the Daytona 500. But you get the point. He can get the job done at these drafting tracks. He gets the job done in Xfinity with colleague, where he finished first, third, third, and second last year at the drafting tracks. And that does include Atlanta with colleague in the Xfinity Series last year. And his teammate, Justin Haley, this year in Cup Series, his, his teammate, but last year in the Cup Series, Justin Haley at Colic finished 7th and 11th at Atlanta. So we're talking about, based off all of these finishes that I've just mentioned, out of 11 finishes, nine of them have been in the top 10 of the ones that I've mentioned. Now, different series necessarily, different tracks, different drivers, but you get the idea. They're all right there. So plus 500 for a top 10 just doesn't make sense to me, Stevie. Colleague at drafting tracks, they are so good at finding each other and moving to the front. And the Chevy power that we've seen this year, I love this one. I I like this a lot. So shout out to you finding this one. I I like this one a lot. All right. Well, we've gone through turn one. Time to roll through the corner in a turn two. I'm Denny Hanlon, and this is turn two here on Running Hot. All right, Stevie, take us through turn two. Yeah, I mentioned that like I don't love a lot of outrights, especially early in the week, but I do like this one. It's Ryan Blaney plus 1,200, 12 to 1 for Ryan Blaney. I think he qualifies inside the top five when we just look at how good he is at qualifying on drafting tracks in general. So I think the line is potentially going to move in the opposite of direction that we want to look at. So I'm finding value here at 12 to 1. Best overall speed at Atlanta last season. By far the best pusher at Atlanta last year. One of the best pushers, if not the best pusher, just in general in NASCAR right now on these types of tracks, ran most of his laps inside the top 15. Second highest average quality pass percentage behind Chase Elliott, who's not racing this weekend. Ford's big advantage at pushing at Daytona and all of last year. So I have Ford's, I'm pretty high on them just in general. So getting Blaney at 12 to 1, where I do think this line moves, is the one outright that I'm looking at here early in the week. 
Yeah, I like that. And Stevie, I'm going to throw an unexpected caution here. It's not on the outline, but uh, you mentioned potentially this could move in the wrong direction because Blaney could qualify toward the front. We've never seen qualifying at Atlanta. So, you know, both races last year were set by the metric because of rain or other things. So what are your thoughts on qualifying? Because books do have qualifying bets. I'm very curious what your thoughts are on qualifying before we get to my turn to pick. Run away. I hate qualifying bets in general. I feel like teams get way too aggressive. Like this past weekend, right, is a perfect example. Kyle Busch and Joey Logano were 10 to 15th place cars in practice. They went super aggressive with tire pressures and they qualified really well. Last week, Larson, if you wanted to throw you know a bet on him with as fast as he was for qualifying, he was just so much faster than the field in practice. So like I get that. But most weeks, we're not going to have 50-minute practices, and like we're going to see teams be very aggressive with tire pressures. They don't start the race on these tires, so they can be very aggressive. So I don't like qualifying bets in general. I hardly ever recommend them. And I'm definitely – like we're supposed to see a lot of rain on Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday is looking a lot better for weather. So we're going to have a pretty green racetrack for qualifying too. Yeah, nope, nope, I'm out. I agree with you. Thank you. I 100% agree with you. First of all, I rarely bet qualifying. I think um, they're incredibly difficult to predict. And I literally, I build models to try to predict qualifying before. And I've built models and past qualifying is not necessarily indicative of future qualifying. It has been at the super speed, especially the Daytona 500. For whatever reason, obviously, Hendrick just keeps crushing it. But I don't think that applies here to Atlanta, we're handling matters more. But then you also mentioned the green racetrack, also a new surface, tons of grip, I think will help handling. And with the Ford's nose advantage, I could see that added grip helping not only their aerodynamic nose advantage, but the added grip helping their handling, which maybe is suffering potentially a little bit. I just don't know. I don't know enough to bet qualifying here. So I, I was very curious when you mentioned Ryan Blaney could potentially go the wrong way. I'm in terms of getting shorter from 12 to one outright, I kind of agree with you because I do think there's potential for the Fords to be starting up front, especially these Penske's. So wanted a little, you know, a little detour there. Maybe we make a, a pit stop and change our tires before I dive into my turn to bet. So I'm going to give that to you now. I'm going to stick with the top 10 theme, but I also want to kind of go to this top manufacturer theme. And so I'm going to take Ty Gibbs, I like his top 10 at plus 600. You can also get him top Toyota at plus 1100. And I haven't decided which of these two, if not both, I'm going to bet. So this is an official bet for me yet. I'm still kind of evaluating things, especially with March Madness. That's been my focus this week. But I like, excuse me, Ty Gibbs top 10 or top Toyota at plus 600 for a top 10 and plus 1100 for a top Toyota. Now let's look at this. There are some books out there that are posting Ty Gibbs for a top five at plus 650. So why wouldn't you take his top 10 where you get five extra spots for just a tiny bit less in terms of, uh, you know, the odds from six and a half to six to one. So I think that's nice value. Plus, there's also only six Toyotas in this race. There's no Travis Pastrana in this one. And Ty Gibbs last year in the Xfinity series, I know it's not the Cup series, but in the Xfinity series, won the first Atlanta race. So I think there's obviously precedent here for him to perform well at Atlanta in a different car, albeit. But, you know, I I just think there's enough. He's in a Joe Gibbs racing car. That's not bad equipment. I think any driver in good 
equipment should not be six to one for a top 10 at Atlanta. And I kind of feel the same with the Toyotas, right? I mean, there's six of them. So if they all six had equal odds to be the top Toyota, they'd all be plus 500 because that means implied odds are one in six. So I just kind of feel like this is a situation where the odds are just too long on Ty Gibbs. Curious your thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, I like this more the fact that I like the top 10 side at plus 600 than I like the top Toyota. There's a guy that we're going to talk about who I think could just absolutely dominate this race. So I think I would lean more top 10. He's aggressive. Like we've been talking about it this whole podcast. He's aggressive and we want aggressive race car drivers. So I don't want to compare the Xfinity series to the Cup series because right. the the JGR Xfinity team is just on another level sometimes. So yeah, I do think that I would lean top 10 over top Toyota, especially at plus 600, like you said, plus 650 for top five. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the top 10 side of this one. I like you. it. I like it. That's why I ask you, you know, we bounce ideas off each other all week, uh, most weeks. So this was one idea I was bouncing off you here. So I think I'm going to, you know, if I had to pick, I think I am going to roll. You've convinced me. I think I'm going to roll with the top. 10 here. So that gets us through the backstretch. NASCAR betting season is here, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. And now it's time to dive into turn three. I'm Austin Dillon, driver of the number three, and this is turn three here on Running Hot. All right, Stevie, lead us into turn three. All right, got to start my Toyota love. Here it comes. Christian Rudell, top 10. So a few books have this at plus 105, and then a few other books have this at anywhere from 130, minus 130 to minus 140. So I'm seeing a lot of value at plus 105 for Christian Rubel top 10. This guy, second best overall speed at Atlanta this last season, Ranked top three in green flag speed in both races last year. So getting a lot of early week value. I don't love like looking at like close to even, you know, top 10 bets, but I think there is a lot of value with this one. So I think Chris Rubel is someone that has the upside to win the race. So this is one that I'm like, all right, I'll take the top 10 early in the week. If he qualifies bad and his, you know, his line moves in my direction, I'll take maybe an outright bet on him. So early week top 10, potentially looking at him and even win this race because he is aggressive. He wants to run up front and he had the speed to do it last year. You remember what happened in that first race last year at Atlanta? He got that yellow line penalty. He was set to win that race. 
He was set to win that race. So yep. I, I agree with you right there. His finishing position is definitely not flattering for what actually happened in that first Atlanta race. So I really like that, especially like you said, after qualifying with that line moves in the longer direction, I will be tailing you on possibly an outright on Christopher Bell. Speaking of outrights, my turn three pick, it's just a lean, not picking this right now, but I do always, I have, this is my sucker bet every super speedway race. It's Eric Jones to win. You can get him at plus 3,500, 35 to one. I will never not love Eric Jones at drafting tracks, even with the current struggles that, you know, Legacy Motorsports, uh, Legacy Motor Club, I should say, has had. Eric Jones has not posted good finishes this year, but that doesn't mean he hasn't good had, had good speed. So uh, it's just a spot here where this guy is aggressive. He's good at super speedways. He's not in bad equipment. I mean, Legacy Motor Club, yeah, they've struggled, but they haven't been garbage. They're not garbage equipment. They're a mid-tier team, maybe even a lower mid-tier team, depending on how things shake out this year. But we saw Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in a lower mid-tier team win the Daytona 500. And Eric Jones and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., to me, they're pretty comparable in how they race at super speedways. I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr., even more aggressive than Jones, but I think Jones has a better knack for finding the front, if you will. So uh, I think it it ends up being kind of about break even between those two on who I would rather have. But you can't get Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at 35 to one. You can get Eric Jones 35 to one. He did lead Atlanta in both races last year multiple times. And in that first race, I mentioned he had that tire issue when he got out front. So not a very flattering result for him compared to what it could have been. So Eric Jones is my lean at 35 to one. I know it's a sucker bet for me. I don't know if you think it is. Top five in quality pass percentage last year at Atlanta. Top five in laps in the top 15 and Atlanta one and 11th um, Atlanta two. So someone that wants to be aggressive and run up front, you want to run up front or run in the back. You don't want to run in the middle. That's where all the issues happen. Um, Assuming that the tire issues don't be a thing this year. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think they will be. You mentioned new tire. Uh, Also, that second Atlanta race, we did not have the tire issues we saw at the first race there, especially with the Chevys. So um, I don't think that'll be as much of an issue. So that rolls us through turn three. Time to dive into turn four. I'm Noah Gregson, and this is turn four here on Running Hot. All right, Stevie, we're coming through turn three. Take us out through turn four. Well, we're looking at the checkered flag and we're looking at race winning manufacturer bet Toyota plus 290. You know, we've already talked about Bell. We've already talked about our boy Ty Gibbs. We haven't talked about Denny Hamlin and we haven't talked about Tyler Reddick, who are both very good at drafting tracks. So they had three cars in the top 10 in overall speed at Atlanta last season. Hamlin is one of the best, if not the best pack drafting track drivers in NASCAR. Bell, we already talked about his top three speed. My model has Toyota closer to like plus 220. So I really like the early week value at plus 290. I know there's only six of them and you're the odds are against you when you're looking at Toyota to be the race winning manufacturer because of the numbers. But when their quality cars as good as, you know, it's pretty much six really good cars competing against maybe eight really good Fords or maybe it's not even that many Fords, maybe eight really good Chevys and maybe like six really good Fords. So I think that getting Toyota plus 290, there's value here early in the week. Oh, definitely. I mean, you you talked about Danny Hamill, one of the best drafting drivers of all time. Christopher Bell, his finishes last year. 
Martin Truex Jr. was in the mix there at the end uh, of that first Atlanta race. Bubba Wallace worked his way up towards the front of that first Atlanta race and finished, what was it, top three or so. So there is a lot of opportunity here for Toyota to win that race. So, you know, like you said, we're going through turn four. We got the finish line in our sights. So I'm going to stick with the race winning theme for my turn four pick. I'm going to lean, once again, I lean Justin Haley. 60 to one AJ Allmendinger since he made here, Justin Haley, like Allmendinger, Justin Haley had five to one top 10 odds, but those don't exist anymore. Whereas you can still get Allmendinger at five to one. Haley is down to plus three forty as the longest that I can find him anywhere, but he's actually longer in his outright odds <laughs> than AJ Allmendinger at 60 to one. And Haley has more super speedway wins than AJ Allmendinger throughout the different series. So I love Haley's upside. I, I do like his consistency. Like you said, I like how the colleague teammates work together. The big downside here for me with Justin Haley is if we look at Atlanta last year, yeah, he finished seventh and 11th, but he didn't run up front enough. He led one lap between the two races. So it's a little concerning for me, which is why right now this is a lean for me. I think, you know, kind of depending on how qualifying shakes out, maybe we see a 65 or a 66 or a 70. I don't necessarily think so, but I'm also not jumping at a 60 to one. At the same time, if some of these leaders get down to like four or five or, or nine or, or eight to one, and we're seeing some nine to ones out there already, that's going to be too short. So I think if I do want some action on the race and, you know, we like to bet to make money. But at the same time, if I don't have any outright bets and I want to make one outright bet, probably just sprinkle a long shot here. So I would go with a lean I have like Justin Haley because he is an incredible drafting track racer. I mean, we saw he was on pace to potentially win that Daytona playoff cutoff race last year before the rain came out and ruined that. So we know he can get it done in college equipment in the Cup Series, not just from a rain shortened race when he was in that Spire car, that luck, you know, he absolutely lucked in that win the Cup Series, not just in the Xfinity Series where Colleague is one of the better teams, but he was able to do it in the Cup Series and that Colleague equipment at Daytona, albeit. But again, I think teams learn from last year. They don't necessarily ride around in the middle or ride in the back at Atlanta based off what happened last year. I think you need to get track position. And I think Colleague has an opportunity to do that. And Justin Haley knows how to run up front at these drafting tracks. All right, that is going to take us, Stevie, into victory lane here. So, Stevie, why don't you give us our victory lane pick? Yeah, I like the Justin Haley pick. We already talked about, you know, AJ a few minutes ago as far as what to look for for colleague racing and how well they work together. Well, look how dominant, if you go back and look at how good Haley and and AJ work together in the Xfinity series. Now, it's not going to fully come to the cup series, but they already have a lot of experience working together. They'll find each other. They'll work together. The new choose rule on these types of tracks is huge because they can kind of make sure they line up together if they are working together. So I really like this Justin Haley lean. I'm with you on the lean. I really like the top 10 when the lines first dropped that line moved very fast. So did not work for us recording the podcast, but I'm definitely leaning towards uh, a Justin Haley 61. And I always have a special spot in my heart for Justin Haley. The rain shortened win for him made me a lot of money. So, you know, how you have your Eric Jones, yeah, I have my yeah. Justin Haley, you know, that's how we roll. That's right. And again, like I mentioned, I don't think you can go wrong with an entertainment bet, right? Even if you don't necessarily think it's value, although I do think it probably is value. I don't think you can go wrong with, if you have no outrights, 
and you want to sweat the race, throw a couple bucks on, you know, your favorite long shot. Why not? It's a drafting race. What do you think? Entertainment bets are fun. And at the end of the day, we want to make money, but we also want to have fun and we want to enjoy and having like a, a 60 to one sweat for a few bucks. It's just fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to win money. We're here to try to help you win money. But at the end of the day, we want to have fun. We want to be smart on how we're betting and all that stuff. But entertainment bets are fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we go to the movies. That's why we go to a ball game or or go to the racetrack because we want that entertainment. So I'm I'm right there with you. So we've gone through turn one and two. We've hit the backstretch, accelerated through that. We've gone through three and four. Stevie, lead us into victory lane. Listen, we we I talked about how I don't love head-to-head bets this week, but but I did say if there is value, and I think there is value with this one. William Byron over Kyle Larson minus one ten. I really like the one ten here. Um, William Byron top ten in green flag speed. Both Atlanta races last year where Larson was eighteenth and twentieth. Larson struggled to pass cars where William Byron was one of the best passers at this track last year. Byron has a much better history at pack racing drafting tracks. And Larson has talked about how much he hates them and how he struggles at this type of racing. I do think that like, if we're looking at a whole of the three drafting tracks, this is probably going to be Larson's best because speed, raw speed matters more here than it does at the other two. But William Byron is his teammate. William Byron has two wins and he's beat Kyle Larson twice this year already when Kyle Larson probably had the better car. So I like the minus 110. I like this victory lane pick. I, I want to bring one home for everyone. And I think there's really good value here early in the week. Again, I don't love head-to-heads. I don't typically bet head-to-heads. Love to hear your thoughts on head-to-heads on this type of track, but especially getting them at this close. But I mean, my model has this closer to like minus 130. So I think there is value at minus 110. Yeah, I, I actually do. And I hate betting head-to-heads at super speedways or at drafting tracks, pseudo speedways. But I actually do do have this at value, believe it or not. And it's one of those things. I tweeted out a little stat today about Kyle Larson and it it related to DraftKings and how they priced him for DFS. And Kyle Larson has one top five finish ever at drafting tracks. So, and he's only led, I think it was 78 laps in 36 races. It's basically two laps a race. So he admittedly is not good. His stats are not good. And William Byron's are. So I think this is a situation where the knowledge, the common sense makes a lot of sense. And your model, my model, I know other NASCAR experts out there, models are actually showing value on William Byron in this head-to-head matchup. So this is not just yours, but both of our victory lane picks for this episode and you know we haven't hit a victory lane pick yet but it is because we have tended to make longer odds picks i did like our eric almarola top 10 pick last week unfortunately his oh he was wheel, gonna crush it he was his yeah. wheel he moved from 31st qualifying position to 15th and was so yep. good on the long run especially and his wheel literally just broke like straight up fell apart because it wasn't quite perfectly tightened and then you know rubbed against so the they bead, rubbed against whatever this that and the other but we made a good pick there and uh you know our others were fine 11 12 to 1 those aren't picks we're expecting to hit i hope we're gonna grab one here i hope we're gonna grab our first victory lane pick of the year here stevie we're taking william byron head to head over kyle larson at minus 110 so that is gonna do it for us thank you for listening to the am better 400 Atlanta episode of Running Hot Action Network's Motorsports Betting Podcast. 
We'll be back this time next week to talk about bets for the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas. Yes, Coda, a road course, our first road course of the year. That should be a big race with multiple Formula One stars. Jensen Button, Kimi Raikkonen, and some guy named Jimmy Johnson, just one of NASCAR's all-time winning as driver, seven-time champion participating in that race. So on behalf of my co-host, Stephen Young, I'm Nick Giffen. Thanks again for listening to Action Network's Motorsports Podcast, Running Hot. We'll see you back here next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.